Hey, my name is Tarani Sethi and you're listening to the Mash podcast. I'm a fine artist and curator based in New Delhi, India. Like most artists, I've been surrounded by an, by art since I was a young lamb and I found that to talk about myself as an artist, it's always important to talk about my family history and upbringing. My paternal grandfather studied in the JJ School of Art in Bombay. India had just got its independence and the situation was very different to what it is today. With a growing family, it was hard for him to earn a living as an artist and provide for them. To support them, he had to put aside his art practice and set up a design studio, which now would mean designs made on the computer, but then it was all done by hand. His client base spanned far and wide, including design work for India's nascent government that was born out of independence, while also designing the branding and logo for the first intellectual institute of art and culture called the India International Center. While many revered his commercial work, the artist in him remained and because of this, he helped young artists and designers with their brands for barely any cost. Artists who grew to become some of the most well-known people in India. My father then then took over his business and for years made postcards, wedding cards and wrapping paper under the name Sukriti in print. What set them apart at the time was little hand drawings of plants and Mughal miniature paintings on each card. It took you back to a different time while maintaining the grandeur and romance of postcards. We actually still have a closet full of them in our house that we sent to family and friends on special occasions. He then switched gears and opened a product design studio and started designing bespoke leather furniture, something that he had always enjoyed doing. On my mother's side, I never got to meet my grandfather as he died at a very young age, but my grandmother was a principal at a school for many years, much to my aunt's embarrassment, who are now both naturally also teachers in university. My mother on the other hand did a master's in economics but decided to flip the switch when my sister and I were born and took over my grandfather's design studio. She now runs South Asia's first encyclopedia on traditional arts, crafts and textiles. Both my parents had studied to be economists but realized the design and craft world was where they felt most comfortable. So now we get to me. I was a below average student all my life and only really enjoyed making art. Luckily I was also pretty good at it. When I graduated from school with surprisingly brilliant grades, I got this sudden and bizarre urge to study political science. Not the best decision I made in my life, but I spent the next 3 years doing a BA in political science. I can't remember a thing I learned but those 3 years were really formative for me and I made some lifelong friends. I graduated and went straight to New York to do a BFA. Yes, another one in drawing at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. I think it's important to mention that I lived in Brooklyn because I really learned how to be an artist there. Every third person I met was an artist of some kind and that made me both resilient and competitive. The way New York functions is that people manage to do a lot with not very much. They're curating shows in their backyard, painting on city walls, on the trains, and basically taking over every surface and space there is. Those five years were life changing for me because not only did I realize um, that I really just get to interact with so many different kinds of and breeds of people, but I really honed into what kind of artist I wanted to be. Coming back to Delhi was a shock for me. People didn't understand my art. They thought I was too sexual and provocative, and there wasn't anyone I could really turn to for advice at the time. 
I approached a curator who directly rejected me, saying no one in India would want to hang my kind of work on their bedroom walls. The, the idea that we would much rather purchase art of higher value and of famous artists rather than purchase good art is something I still struggle with and find hard to wrap my head around. This quick and brazen rejection bothered me, but also made me realize, screw it, I'm going to curate my own shows and display my work there. Why wait for a gallery or a curator to, to discover me? All around, At around the same time, I had begun to speak to many artists and realized that there was a desperate need for platforms in our country besides traditional gallery spaces. While much has changed in India since my grandfather's time, it continues to be very hard to be a young artist and break into the hierarchy of the art market. I began curating small shows called Pond with artists from all over India, deciding to hang works in the Paris salon style where art was hung from floor to ceiling, leaving no space empty. This was my first foray into curation and also the first time I exhibited my own art in India. During this time, I was also constantly reading about curation, exhibition design, and the huge and extravagant alternative shows taking place in Europe and the United States. In particular, the Spring Break Art Show in New York, Street Art in India, and Trimarchi in Argentina really spoke to me. They started small, were extremely DIY, and maintained the idea that they were first and foremost for the artists, not gallerists, and not the collectors. Timarchi and street art also made the shows as accessible as possible to the public, so as to change the idea that art is for the elite. I set up the Irregulars Art Fair, keeping these values in mind. Irregulars is India's first anti-art fair that coincides with India's art fair at the beginning of every year. Our goal with TIRAF is to champion emerging artists, making sure that the application process is egalitarian in nature. The show is open to everyone from every age group, race, gender, and socioeconomic background. Making sure of it with affordable tickets, community engagement, workshops, and discussions. We also don't highlight just one kind of art, but try to include everything from painting to dance and theater, from beatboxing to fashion, from food photography to photojournalism. Apart from this, the one thing we've been trying to tackle is how to make art accessible to the regular working man, breaking away from the idea of a white sterile cube. The art fair is in a massive space, but each artist is exhibited in a separate stall. At the Irregulars Art Fair, we decided not to have any partition between the different artists. For example, if there was a room, we gave it to four artists and left it to them to decide how to use the space. Floors, ceilings, and corners were all utilized. Did we face some heat? Yes, definitely. The Art Fair is an established organization that has been taking place for more than 12 years, while we're a young organization representing young artists. Another important thing to note is that anti-art fairs don't mean that they are anti-gallery or anti-curator or anti-art fair. They are alternative and usually more affordable spaces for artists to showcase their work. The Irregulars is rebellious, outspoken, and anti-establishment, and that's what we stand for. So the Irregulars has been taking place once a year for the last three years. It's large and comprises of around 150 artists each year and around three to four locations. While the rest of the year, I curate smaller shows focused around zines, which is something I've been fascinated by for a long time. Zines are small distributions, self-published or DIY, low-budget magazines. They were used as literary and cultural journals through pamphlets and newspapers. 
Artists made zines to circulate their work and share ideas, and they have a particularly rich history within the Dadaist and Surrealist movements. In 2015, a friend and I started a zine collective called Working Hours that housed zines made by artists from around the world. We would exhibit zines everywhere we could and would try to educate as many people as possible about the history and practice of zine making. While curating is something that I'm constantly teaching myself through my mistakes, my main practice is as a fine artist. My art practice takes up most of my time and is is where I earn a living. I've always focused on drawing on paper as my main craft. My relationship to paper is a complicated and personal one. And I love the tactility and multi-sensory hold it has on you. The act of erasing, scratching, spilling, stippling, tracing, hatching, cross-hatching is how I spend most days. Paper is unforgiving. You drop something or make a mistake and you can either keep going or work with that mistake. It's your best worst enemy and the learning how to work with it is what I enjoy the most. Through my art, I explore themes of human intimacy and try to break the taboo of body consciousness and sexuality. My work constantly revolves around the idea of utopias and a world where we can live free and equally without judgment from others. I draw inspiration from folk tales, architecture of cities I know and live in, and stories of kings and queens alongside twists and turns of modern day politics. The huge expanse of Indian folk tales, miniature paintings, and Japanese shunga prints constantly inspire me. My work unveils identity while exploring sexuality within personal spaces, both architectural and cerebral. These 4D spaces are where my sculptures come in. My drawings have led me to make iron, wood, shadow installations. They're an extension that adds a more visceral and immersive element to my paper drawings. Welded thick wire crisscrosses around eyes, legs, and bodies, weaving together humans, plants, animals, and nature into one cohesive story. These installations are always hung a few feet in front of a wall with a bright yet low spotlight projecting a sharp shadow on the wall, floor, and ceiling, creating both movement and a reflection into another world. I've always seen a sort of absurdity in life, and I find it crazy that the bizarre and extraordinary is seen as so commonplace. It's probably a cliche to say out loud, but art is what I'm constantly thinking about and dreaming about. My ideas come to me in my dreams, both daydreams and night dreams, in conversations, through movies, and just daily humdrums of life. We've become so complacent to so much that it's hard to see art in everything we do. My art reflects this and talks about the anomalies, oddities, and peculiarities of life that we sometimes fail to notice. Thank you for having me. I hope this little spiel inspires you, kicks you out of bed, makes you scramble for a piece of paper and pencil, and pushes you to create. My name is Tarani Sethi and you're listening to the MASH Podcast.